Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the... <laughs> I was just thinking about, I was thinking about him coming on. Honestly, we had a dog that ate every one of the ornaments off our tree one year. Like glass ornaments? No, no. they were like... Cr- cookie they were like, ornaments. They looked oh, like course. cookie dough. But... Yes, well, of course. I'd eat them too. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the family with Ellie <laughs> Nick, Alex Brant Bernard Rasmussen, Catherine Brandt, Andy Brant Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back with the family. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer is rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer. And get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. for. <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state, so we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. I thought for sure you'd come back with more taint music. I really <laughs> There's do. only so much. Yeah, really. <laughs> what is, oh, The Holiday Road? Mm-hmm. What movie is this from? Christmas, or not Christmas vacation, family vacation. Family vacation, okay, there you, know, you go. Brian Setzer's canceled his Christmas thing That's what year. I heard. Why did he? Uh, he's got ringing in the ears. What do they call that? Tinnitus. I got that, too. I me, too. Brian, call me. I got it horribly. I thought they could do something about I that. I thought they could, too, hearing but he canceled. I mean, that's a big that's a big paycheck for him. That's his biggest thing of the year. Oh, oh, it is, is yeah. incurable. But when you are hearing louder music... Don't, doesn't it kind of cancel I, so out I the... Because, I, I, I mean, I've had ringing in my ears after hearing, you know, been to a rock concert or something I've never had it. 
Well, the problem is if you turn up the music more to drown out the ringing, then the ringing gets worse. It does, yeah, it does get worse. Uh, I've never had it, so I little. can't say anything about it. I got it in both ears. Dr. Joseph R. Lau, how are you doing, Dr. Dr. Lau? I'm great. How are you? Doing extremely well. You couldn't, uh, well, I guess we couldn't have picked a better time to talk to you because by coincidence, uh, during the break, we were just talking about how some families, uh, they have a, my mother was the, like, like the, the linchpin of the family. The uh, glue. The glue of the family. Once that she passed away, we kind of all went our separate ways. Now, Dr. Um. Lau, I'm not necessarily saying that I have difficult relatives, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, or are you the common denominator? I might be the, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Lau, how can I tell if I'm the, if I'm the difficult relative? How do I know that? <laughs> if you stop getting invited to family functions, that's a bad sign. Yeah, that's, oh. you're absolutely right. It's that's a bad a tell. sign. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, Dr. Joseph R. Lau, L-A-O, of course, uh, Resistance to Belief Change, How to Cope with Your Difficult Relatives During the Holidays. So I know a lot of people, are, their, ears, their ears just pricked up, believe me, because every does everybody go through this, Dr. Lau, or just most people? Uh, it depends on the family. Uh, some families are, are really good at, at interacting, uh, especially if they have good social skills. Uh, other families uh, you know, sometimes have somebody that, is, even if everybody else is okay, that it's, sometimes it's one family member who just doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. That was my wife that just went, yeah. <laughs> yeah my, well, you've been, you've been difficult at holidays. That's for sure. What but, are you talking about? Um, the time you made uh, me you cry couldn't. because I gave you a light-up truck. Yeah, Tom. Which he still has. I still have that truck. Yeah, but you made me cry. Why would I want this? I never said that. You've been horrible. You're really bad. You're Dr. Lau. Dr. Lau goes, yeah, well. Okay, doctor. So maybe you are the common denominator. Thanks for jumping on my side, doctor. You're really bad at getting gifts. You've gotten better for a while. But but the, the real question is, I mean, we all know that somebody's got difficult personalities in the family. But what is it about the holidays that makes people literally turn into basically Sadness. It is sadness. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's ask the doctor. (laughs) There are a bunch of factors involved. Usually it's good to have a diversity of opinions, right? Because the more diversity there is, the more likely you can have some good opinions in there. Uh, And it makes for lively discussions sometimes. The the problem is when somebody doesn't know when to stop pushing. Uh, A lot of times when we get in discussion with somebody we don't agree with, we might say, okay, we'll agree to disagree. And sometimes there's somebody who will not agree to disagree. They just insist on you being with them <laughs> and uh, don't want to let it go. Uh, and so that can become a problem. Yeah, I, I actually put a sign on our door one time. I've got a brother who's very religious and um, is conservative and a brother who couldn't be farther left and an atheist. <laughs> and the atheist... Uh, left-leaning person picks at my other brother oh, constantly. Uh-huh. So I put a sign on the door. I said, I said, there will be no political or religious conversations in this house during this time together, or right. I will put you out yeah. in the snow. <laughs> and, my, and my sister-in-law comes in and says, so we cannot discuss Jesus on the night of his birth? I'm like, no, we can't. <laughs> no, we not cannot. Not with this mixture of human beings. No, we cannot. We cannot. Your gifts no, no, no. <laughs> no, Jesus. We can talk about Jesus. But that's it. Um, it, it's interesting you mentioned those two topics in particular because those are two of the topics where people are least likely to change their minds. Oh, yeah. Our sure. religious beliefs are, are often tied into other beliefs. And we talk about this in, in you know, chapter five of our book, 
but they're tied into other beliefs, like the nature of the universe, and you know, if it's a safe universe, and you know, the, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's tied into feelings of safety, feelings of, uh, of belonging to other people, like a church or something like that, um, or, or you know, even something greater that often gives purpose to people. And when you challenge their beliefs about that, uh, you know, a lot of times people react very strongly and emotionally. And you would think that grown people would know better than to broach these subjects on Christmas well, or any holiday. Yeah. Right? Why do well, they do it? Yeah, in a way. But when you get family together and you've got people with strong feelings about religion or politics, it, it often transcends the holiday for them. It's just something that's so on their mind, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, with politics the way it is. There's just so many people who have strong entrenched beliefs that it's just you know, on their, the tip of their tongue at any given moment. Uh, now, that makes sense. Doctor, I have, to, I have to ask you a question here because everybody, I've talked about this before and I'm very open about this. Uh, and my daughter already brought up the fact that I, I have a hard time accepting gifts. So for me, uh, particularly the Christmas holiday, my my mother uh, raised seven children by herself. We were very, very poor. And I knew every Christmas my mother could not afford not even one Christmas gift, much less Christmas gifts for seven children. So for me to get a gift from my mother has always been painful because I knew she couldn't afford it. So to this day, I still go, I just don't like getting gifts. I don't care for it. I mean, I'm grateful, and I'm very happy that they think of me, but it is literally emotionally painful for me to get gifts. It really is. Wow. Yeah, we all have entrenched beliefs about things that are important to us. In this case, it seems like receiving gifts is associated in your mind with hurting somebody else or Mm -hmm. somebody else sacrificing themselves beyond what would be healthy. Uh, and that's something that sounds like it, it kind of stuck. And there are a lot of people like that who have these kinds of beliefs associated with their you know, receiving or giving gifts. Uh, and, and it can be uh, something that decreases the happiness they have around that time, in part because it, it reduces the options you have in terms of you giving and receiving. You know, I read a story. I, I also do a morning talk show, Dr. Lau, in, in town. And I was reading a story this morning. A woman wrote into one of the advice columns. I don't know whose advice column it was, but she asked the question. She said that she went uh, shopping for Thanksgiving uh, to buy the, the ingredients for the Thanksgiving dinner. And while she was there, she didn't know why she decided to do this, but she shoplifted a couple of items. And then when they got to wow. the, she got to the cash register, the cashier forgot to ring up one of the items, which was rather expensive. And the woman didn't tell her to ring it up. So she wondered if getting that free piece of uh, you know ha- a ham or whatever it was, and then shoplifting, if that was considered to be stealing. <laughs> you have to stealing? ask. You have to ask if that's stealing. Think... Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously it is. So there's, I don't know why she'd want to do that. I don't know if she was a person of means or if she was in need. Uh, but it, it's you know, obviously an issue because then you wind up hurting the store and you know, perhaps hurting other people that might want that product. Yeah, I mean, another... another it's not good for your own self-esteem either. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, another painful so thing... Once you me. do something like that, I mean, that becomes a part of you, you're part of how you may label yourself. And that kind of label can have long-lasting repercussions. Mm-hmm. No, I, I could absolutely see that. Um, uh, another part of the holiday season... I'm not trying to... What I'm trying to do, Dr. Lau, is trying to find out what makes a difficult relative... Um, like, for instance, this is stupid, but it's still there. I do not like the fact that, that our daughter is 30 and our son is 33. I'm, it makes, I want them to be six and eight again. If, oh, I, could, so do I. if I could possibly get that done. 
No, it's it's mm-hmm. wonderful to get together with the family, but it's a, a lot of great memories. No, no question. I hate getting gifts mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, guys. Because if somebody gets me something and I don't like it, I I, oh, I can't that's hide tough. that. And and most stuff that you buy me, I don't want it. Like, I don't want anything. So yeah, yeah. I used to be very into gifts and stuff and fancy things and whatever. And now I've like completely switched. I'm like, I don't want anything. I don't want Get it gifts. away from me. I don't. What? There's too much crap in the world. <laughs> Get it out of my house <laughs> because you don't no. have any needs really anymore. It's no. Like, I'm just, well, and I just Material like there's needs. stuff and like gift giving used to be my love language, yeah, and now I'm yep, like, no, yep. I don't want anybody's no. Yep, me neither. Don't want it. Yeah. Take it away. No, no. Nope. Doctor Lau, did you go through it? Do you have any? Do you have any difficult relatives yourself? Is that what uh, what made it top of mind for you? Is it just people coming to talk to you about their difficult relatives? Um, I've gotten lucky. I mean, I've had individual relatives that I've had problems with from time to time, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's because somebody's drinking a little bit too much, for example, and they, they say things are inappropriate. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've been fortunate to have family members who are willing to come back later on when they're sober and apologize for what they said or did. Uh, so it, it can be stressful in the moment, but sometimes if you know that they're drunk and you know, they're just talking you know, gibberish or you know, nonsense that you know they don't really mean, uh, then you kind of, kind of let that go and not take it too seriously and get too upset. Yeah. No, I understand that completely. So how, how would the average person, we're talking to Dr. Joseph Lau, how to cope with your difficult relatives during the holidays. So, so how do you cope with them, doctor? It really depends on the situation. If I had a relative who uh, kept insisting on talking about something that, let's say politics, and I didn't feel like talking about that, or we had very different opinions, mm-hmm. who were you know, arguing too much, uh, there are a few things I might do. Um, in the story of the moment, I might just say, look, you know, I just know this is important to you, but I don't really feel like talking about it, and you know, I'm just not going to continue to participate in the conversation. Uh, and then you know, if they kept talking, I would just kind of find a way to let it go and not respond anymore. Um, but if it was somebody who did that consistently over many years, uh, I would consider a couple of other options. One is to uh, think for myself in advance, that knowing this person would behave that way, how I want to deal with that person. So I can sort of plan my response and, you know, respond more appropriately that way. The other option is I might want to talk to other members of the family about this individual, especially uh-huh. if they're sort of an outlier, mm-hmm. and see if we can draw some kind of consensus as a family about how we want to deal with it. And then still one other option is something I suggested a little while ago, where if you have somebody like that and you keep telling them, you know, they're, they're getting out of line, they're causing confusion or, you know, uh, bothering everybody else, uh, just stop inviting them. Well, how about when you've got the um, one family member that isn't going to come to Christmas because the other family member that they don't yeah. like at the oh, moment isn't is going to be yeah. there, so they're not going to come. It just gets to be well, like the, yeah, in a way you can't blame them. But I would alert everybody else that uh, certain disagreements are becoming a concern, and it's causing other family members not to come. Uh, now, some family members might say, "That's wonderful. Let her not come." Right? But then others, you know, who are more conscientious uh, or compassionate would uh, hopefully try to amend their behavior and not be so uh, abrasive. Well, that's we had that with our wedding, where it was like one person wasn't going to come because this person was we coming and whatever. And I was like, Kay, don't care. Yeah, like, if you, exactly. if that's more important to you than celebrating my marriage, don't want you there. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just. Well, yeah, I mean, if there's somebody who you know is going to be at that event and you know that they you know, are bullied, for example, they don't want to leave you alone. Uh, I wouldn't blame somebody for not exposing themselves to that kind of discomfort. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody should. And yeah, if it was me, I, I might just say to the, the person who invited me, "Well, you know, I, I really would like to come, but uh, I don't feel comfortable about you know whatever it is." 
Uh, and then it would be up to the host to decide who they want to invite or how they right. want to deal with it. Now we can just, you know, come up and say, the doctor that we talked to said. Dr. Lau <laughs> said. Dr. Lau says you can't come. You're not allowed. Yeah, I'm getting an email relative to They're blaming me for not being invited. Yes, it's your fault, Dr. Lau. Dr. Lau said. Right. <laughs> I don't think us Italians have these issues, man. You don't? No. Italian, you'd smack, smack them upside the head if you said something inappropriate at, at Christmas dinner. Well, family Italian. matters more than personal Christmas, squabbles in Italian, a lot of Italian cultures. different cultures. story, man. Yeah. You would get smacked upside the head by somebody. Quick. Put Dan's, it away for just one day. Dan's entire mom's side, there's no... Italians put it away for the, that day, and you just shut up. Yeah. Really? That's, how, that's yeah. how Dan's mom's side is. We all go to a cabin... And get along Christ, just fine. Christmas and Easter, especially Easter's mm-hmm. extra special. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus. He's rising, rising from the dead. Yeah. You know, that's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Being born, yeah, anybody can be born, but, but rising <laughs> from the dead, you know, a different thing than you're Italian. Yeah, but yeah, you don't you don't make a stir on Christmas or Easter. Somebody will smack you upside the head. Yeah, I quick. can see that. I can see that. Nobody drinks true. a little too much, causes a problem. Never, never. Really? Nope. No fist fights. Nope. And gunplay. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we nailed it, Dr. Lau. Nice Italian it's boy playful. with the gun play. <laughs> it's not gun fight. Yeah, yeah. It's not gun play. Uh, right. I had to tell one of my deal. brothers I, that he couldn't come to Christmas anymore unless he just stopped. He, just yeah. had, he, was like, and he was absolutely shocked. Nobody had ever told him that he was being a complete pain in the ass every Christmas holiday. He was, he was absolutely shocked. He was like, what, what are you talking about? I said, you pick on everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, some people don't and know what stopped. they're doing. He really did. Some he people stopped. don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Really? it's like s- sometimes people. Are, yeah, yeah, some they pe- get into they that really family don't. dynamic and they take on mm-hmm. that role like they were a child. And, and yeah. if you tell them, sometimes they do just stop. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, I didn't know idea. Yeah, they don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. They literally don't know. It's like, yep. how could you tell? How could you not know? We all can't stand you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, on the other side of the coin, Doctor Lau, what if you have a relative, you know, like me, who's a great guy and does nothing but bring people together? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're super invite them fortunate. to every event you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I get invited to that's go right. everywhere. everywhere. Uh, Doctor Lau, do you have a few more minutes? You have to go. I have a couple more minutes. Uh, a couple, because I, I need to take a very, very quick break, but it's like a minute and a half. Do you have five more minutes or not that much time? Uh, yeah, probably that's about the vote I've got from the community. But I can hold on a moment. Okay, we'll be right back. I want a couple more questions, and Dr. Lau will be with us right after this. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. If you're one of those folks out there still putting up with contact lenses or dealing with glasses, think just for a moment. What would it be like to wake up to a clear morning and experience your day with all the freedom LASIK brings? 
Well, I'm living proof. That dream can come true. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to set your sights on 2020 vision. Get $500 off LASIK through the end of the year at Whiting Clinic. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contacts, then it's time for you to find out if you're a candidate for LASIK. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com for your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Imagine 2020, buy 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with $500 off LASIK at Whiting Clinic. Offer expires December 31st, 2019. Both eyes only cannot be combined. Results may vary. to know. Uh, people duking it out. <laughs> uh, yes. Dr. Joseph Lau with us, LAO, uh, how to cope with your difficult relatives during the holidays. What I'd like to do for just a couple of minutes, Dr. Lau, I know you got to go, but uh, the most important things that you think we should talk about, uh, a couple of things, how do we cope with our difficult relatives? We talked about a couple of ways. Is there is there one thing about all others that people should do? Be open-minded. Ooh, I like it. Oh, I like Keep in mind that just as much as other people, usually what happens is we want other people to change, but we're not willing to change ourselves. What's wrong with that? Uh, and so that causes you know, <laughs> sort of back and forth friction. Yeah. If we're open-minded enough, then we can at least you know tolerate other people's opinions. We don't have to agree with them, but you know, we can listen. Um, and that, that's probably the best thing we can do. It is a wonderful thing. Dr. Lau, thank you so much, because I tell you what, I think... I was just thinking during that break, I don't think I know anyone who doesn't go through some problem with one of their family members. It is out yeah, there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, not just family members, but other people as well. So being able to cope with the discrepancies of opinion is really important. It is indeed. Dr. Lau, thank you so much. Have a great holiday season. I appreciate your time Thank today, you for sir. having me. Absolutely. Same to you. Have a great holiday season. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Now, he seemed like the nicest guy in the damn world, so, you know. He did. That's the problem. He's such a nice guy. Um, you know, looking back, we basically just drank a lot. That's what we did. <laughs> See, that's what my family didn't do. Didn't drink? No, oh, not a lot. Yeah, we had to put a, no, we no. Had a glass of wine with dinner. Your mom stopped people from drinking at the holidays, yes, and things got did. a lot better. My mom, you, my mom told everybody they couldn't drink anymore <laughs> yeah, you at got the a holidays. Glass of wine with dinner. Yeah, a bottle of wine with dinner. That no, meal. not That's even it. that. No, we were no. shot out. Yeah, you had to just stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Ah, yeah. People, because pe- people in his fan, in Tom's family, get very nostalgic about their childhood. Yeah, and, yeah, we do. And even though, and they bring up all of the crap. Yeah, all of the bad but stuff the, comes up, and it's just like every single holiday you could help rewind they, they bring it, it up how Tom play was it. the favorite, and he got everything. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. They he did. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> everyone thinks Nobody everyone else is up. the favorite. That is very true. Uh, I know I'm the favorite. Uh, oh, I go. know I'm not the favorite. It's <laughs> not even a question. Catherine knows she's not the favorite. I know without a shadow of a doubt, not the favorite. It's not even a question. I'm definitely the favorite. Although I have gained a little ground lately. You have, yeah. You've done lately. very, very well. I'm not I'm in favor of everyone in the whole entire family. Mm. Wow. Well, you are special. Yeah. Well. God, they, you, your relatives must be real assholes if you're the favorite of everybody. I mean, think about it. You're the favorite? I think because I'm the one who got out. 
Oh, yeah. you really think that's why? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'm the one who got out. You got out? What was it? An asylum? What, what, what? Yeah, pretty it was enough. nice, though, because at Andy's wedding just uh, you know, a couple months, not even a couple months ago, almost two months ago. Jeez, that seems so long that, ago already. Uh, I, saw, I saw one of my brothers I hadn't seen in how many years? Two, three yeah, years. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, I was really so, like, surprised. Didn't come to my wedding. Sea, the old man in the sea. Yeah, he, yeah. he was boycotting Alex's wedding because some oh, other so I relative seen, I hadn't seen him more than about five years. No, we saw him when Fawn was a newborn at Sonny's graduation. Oh, that's right. So that was three and a half years ago. So yeah. I hadn't seen him in three and a half years, and I finally saw him. Uh, and his son, Harrison, was there. Yeah. I hadn't seen him before. And then all that. I hadn't seen him in probably 10 years. Years, yeah, many years. Did you get to talk to him? Yeah, I talked to him a little bit about this, that, and the other thing. You know, it was good. I, I just think the biggest, I think a major, major problem we have now is dealing with people and social media. It's going to destroy this earth. Oh, the it keyboard really warriors are unbelievable. It's just people thinking, I walked in the building just now because I got here a little late because I had a doctor's appointment. And I got here a little late and I walked in the front door down in the, the front of this building. There were five people in the lobby. All five of them were staring at their phones. Oh, that's that is mm, not good at all. Every single person walking on the sidewalk and down oh, yeah. Minneapolis. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone every driving, person. driving, oh, yeah, driving. driving. And who's yeah. looking at her phone right now? That'd be Alex, of course. I, I was time. following a pickup a problem. A tow that. truck that mm-hmm. had a car on on its like a flatbed one. Yeah. Right. It had a car on its back end that was. Covered in snow and ice, and they're just sheets of snow coming off, flying off the oh, yeah. the when he's towing, so and he's he's going like he's just serpentine, serpentine gel <laughs> down the, down the road. I look over and he's like looking down on his phone. He's driving, oh, he's driving God. this rig oh, with all God. of this ice and oh. snow. I and see it every day on the freeway. It's unbelievable. Highway 100 is just like a free for all. Ninety is saying. Between Same. Highway 55 yeah, 94 and, and, and Minneapolis, France, yeah. you could, a cop could sit there and pull every other car over mm-hmm. for texting well, or being put, on the phone drive. They're actually putting cameras now that pick up cell phone. Get, you get a ticket for camera now. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'll, they'll find a way that that won't be constitutional. <laughs> it won't they'll, be they'll, constitutional. They'll spend $40 billion on it, and then they'll go, oh, that's not constitutional. We're going to stop doing that. I suppose. They were I doing that with the red lights running. Well, Minneapolis will. Um, do you think they may notice one of these days how crime has shot through the roof since those two stupid bastard mayors oh, they're announced tell, they're they were saying, They're saying it's stupid down. Stupid bastard mayor. They still well, because they don't down. report crime. Yeah, they, oh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't report it. But they don't report crime anymore. 5,000 unanswered 911 calls in the city of Minneapolis in the last 12 months. Well, that's the why ones, they don't answer the, the phone, because they don't want to no, say no, there's no, crime. They, they <laughs> actually, no, 911 no actually answers the phone, but no, nobody's dispatched. No one's dispatched. Oh, they just need someone to listen. Right. So, so then, but then the ones that were dispatched, it's a two-hour average response time. Two-hour response time. So, by the time the cops get there, everyone involved is gone. So, and so the house paper, is burned down. Paper, yeah, the person's already bloody and battered. Yeah, so, on yeah. crime rate, the papers, the, the crime shopping. You got inner city crime is through the roof. You got rural crime is through the roof at these schools, these rural schools. Well, it's it's the surge is spreading. Yeah, the two the two of them yesterday in Wisconsin, two kids pulled knives on one of them pulled it on a cop. Yeah. The cop had to shoot him in the arm or something to get uh, to get it out. I mean, crime is way up. I can't and they even just there, imagine. Oh, you know. When I was a teenager, anybody thinking of doing no. something God, like that? No, God, not even in my neighborhood. Never, nothing, not, nothing. No, 
Zero. I live in a very got stabbed, shot, nothing. Zero. No, I think there was one tiny, like a a pushing match and either in our whole entire high school. Out of, out of hand, people mm-hmm. would break it up. And yeah, they would. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you, now you they, guys they didn't film it. Now they film it. And crime and your... Oh yeah. We had the one kid that. But they didn't hurt anybody, right? Nobody was actually hurt. Yeah, I don't ever remember anyone like a, ever being hurt. Yeah, no fights. People are like hyenas today, man. I do remember when I would talk about a couple of things that happened when I, when I was growing up. One guy stabbed a couple of people to death when we were in, like, eighth grade. In school? As no, you do. No, no, honestly. Another guy killed everybody a... in his apartment building in a fourplex, killed everyone. And I would tell those stories, and everybody would be horrified. Now it's like, oh, yeah, that happened yesterday, too. Yeah, it's like, like every day somebody's now. doing those things. I just don't remember yeah, anybody. The homicide rate in the 60s skyrocketed. It did, yeah. The highest it's ever been in this country. I had a couple suicides in grade school and high school. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, there well. were yeah. suicides in our high school. I had a couple school, of those. Yeah. And that was it. No girl ever got pregnant. <laughs> we had some pregnancies. Oh, we had a lot of pregnancies. I didn't have any. Yeah, we had a lot of I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I, there were, but I don't know anybody. But it's every day now. You watch the news, and they're they're school kids oh, there are four young young black kids that escaped from detention and that. two nashville. are murderers i saw that in nashville i saw that two of the teenagers are murderers i saw that it's like what the hell i didn't really want to murder anybody teenagers when i was a teenager murdering people it just is mental so health is serious it I, is I just a remember problem. being a teenager and I, I thought to myself if I could only meet Catherine Brandt someday, <laughs> my life would be complete. What do you want? <laughs> what do you yeah, want? What, what, did, what you do? do you want? What did you do? I didn't do anything. All I did was... <laughs> Guilt, guilt, love you. I just deliver. <laughs> That's all I'm guilty of is delivery. Oh my God, I'm feeling that norovirus skin. You want me to vomit? <laughs> She's gonna vomit because of what I'm saying. No, I, I, I just, but I, I do remember telling people about that. Oh my God, that must have been horrible. No, it's every day. Every day, somebody that happens. I can't imagine the stress load that kids, you know, that the stuff's happening in their school today. and go, having to get up every day and go to it. It's like a war zone. Yeah, I can't even imagine it's horrible. being a kid today. It has, to, be, has to be horrible. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even think what the, how horrible that. Well, must that's one be. of the reasons why I wanted to move out to the country to raise the kids yeah. in the country mm-hmm. because with his job being such a high-profile job in Minneapolis and people having very strong opinions one way or the other about him. I was like, let's just go out where it's quiet and people will leave us alone. Well, all from the mid-'70s to the mid-'90s, the murder rate was twice what it is now. It's every time there's political unrest, yeah. it seems. Yeah, because right? the 60s, 60s last were time, very turbulent. Very, very turbulent. And then, of course, in the 70s, you had the end of the Vietnam era where people got that very, very violent. very turbulent. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're still absolutely. nowhere near the homicide rate of the 90s, 70s. We are, actually, but we don't report it anymore. Mm. You know. I mean, don't they have to report People dying homicides? isn't something that, like, gets ignored. Well, there's more cold cases now than ever in history. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, there's... New York City's like oh yeah they're dec- like a decade behind yeah, or something twenty years yeah look you want them to show up in court you're gonna have to give them a Snicker bar look look well, and rape and rape they just, they just caught Minneapolis they're like twenty years behind on rape kit tests yeah twenty yeah, years saw, yeah twenty years <laughs> yeah, like behind ten thousand how are women kits. how is any woman in politics not on this and yeah. making this and like they a hit big them all. thing they stashed them in a basement what are you that's really what? sad. First, they came out and said that we're like we're like twenty 
behind and they said, oh, we found a box of 5,000 that have never been First tested. First of all, it's just a, isn't it basically just a swab? No, what's, but what's, what's the saddest part is nobody would ever think there's 20,000 rapes in the city of Minneapolis yeah, well, in the true. last 10 years, yeah. but there's way more than that. Then, yeah, you're absolutely right. Ladies and gentlemen, on because they're just, they're, they'll be clear when they get on, I think. It's a podcast, so it's a little bit different. Oh. Okay, sounds good. Captain Ron Nielsen, how are you, Captain? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Marvelous. It's nice to have you on. How to overcome fear of flying the plane whisperer on holiday oh. flying, Captain Ron Nielsen. I can, I can start by telling you, Captain, that uh, when I was a kid, I didn't fly too much. So I think I flew like 16. Then I, I had to fly for business a lot, which didn't bother me. And then I married this lovely woman who's here with us, and we had two children. They're both here with us as well. Once I had children, I started becoming terrified of flying. I didn't want to fly. And you know what finally took it away that, I, that I, I'm not afraid of flying at all anymore? The love of a good no. woman? Drugs? Nope. It was buying <laughs> the, the drugs. Yeah, it was drugs. It, it was buying life insurance. The fact that if I did oh, die in a plane, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's a very common, uh, very common experience uh, for both men and women mm. when they increase in responsibility. Sometimes it happens when uh, when uh, young people graduate from college or they go off to college because now they're embarking on a new time in their life and a little bit less connected to the safety net that they had in the past. And and then the other one is responsibilities like having children, getting married, things like that. It's almost like we have this little switch that gets turned and says, hey, you better not let something happen to you now. So you know, It's so funny, Captain, because the last, the last two flights. Now, I for a long time, for, for I don't know how many years, but it, I was terrified oh, to fly. This is what would happen. <laughs> So we get ready to get on the plane. He'd go and he'd look inside the plane uh, doorway, and and he'd see what yeah. what kind of plane it was. And then he'd say, "I'm not getting on this piece of shit." There was a <laughs> crash when, when was five years ago. How long? It was when, probably twenty five years ago. Okay, so uh, this is a, I think I think this is a common thing because for me, when I hit like in my early forties, I became yeah. a little bit of claustrophobic. In age, and I was never yep. as a kid ever. And that, really? that, that gave me a right. little. And one time I got seated in a window seat, and these two big, large women that had massive boobs that touched the back <laughs> of the seat. And I could, I was literally, and like little old me is in the, against the window, and these huge women, I couldn't see out, and I became super claustrophobic. And I said, I gotta get off this plane. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't fly. And and I had I had to push myself through that claustrophobic stage of, of flying because I think it happens to men at a certain age. We I was about forty three. Fearful, and we get claustrophobic yep. at a certain age, and I think that affects our flying. You're right. I was forty three, same age you were. That's amazing. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, powered by Nutmos, is having an early holiday sale. Well, you'll receive 20 to 30% off the cost of the program. Shed those unwanted pounds and look great before the holidays get here. Lose 20 pounds or more. Consumer guarantee. See website for details, ultimatewl.com. Ultimate's plan is unlike any other weight loss program out there. With over 1 million pounds lost to date, and clients like me will tell you that this is a weight loss program that works. This plan is customized for each individual person, and the Ultimate Weight Loss staff will be there for you every step of the way. They help me change my life, and they can help you too. 
Start to live your healthiest life and schedule an immediate consultation in their new Edina location or Plymouth with expanded hours. And look great for the holidays. Sale ends Saturday, November 9th. Call now and save. 763-333-7337. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm not sure if there's been been any studies about that that would talk about age but but it, but we know that there's a genetic component to to you know our bodies and stuff and and because the the anxiety that you experience is triggered by a part of the brain called the amygdala it's very possible that you know that there is a link genetically to to from one generation to another yeah, sure. but uh, but once you get triggered it's all biological after that you know yeah. you, you're that part of the brain starts producing cortisol which produces adrenaline, and you're off and running. Mm-hmm. And literally, if you've got the space to get off yeah, the airplane and, and the time, and the doors open, yeah, yeah. No, yeah so, t- but but yeah. those those are very common symptoms, and and the way you you get over that essentially is to is to regain your confidence because the only thing you know, the only really no matter what people talk about you know other than medication where it actually yeah. numbs yeah. your yeah. amygdala. The only way you get over it is to change the way you think about flying. So, right. so when I do that, there's two 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 areas that I work on confidence. One is confidence if I have issues with the airplane and the mechanical reliability of it, and the other is confidence in myself, if you will. You know, I want to know that I'm reliable, that I can count on myself to to de-escalate stress. You know, and increases in my stress levels when I'm when I'm in a situation like that, like mm-hmm. flying. So, so those are the things that that we do with people, help them regain their confidence. And everybody's a little bit unique, but as you as as you all have have identified, there are some common themes to people. I just so, make sure I have an aisle seat, and I'm okay. I like aisle seats. Too. Yeah, I okay. Have an aisle seat. Yep, a lot of people do that, and it, it's it's interesting. Some people say I got to have an aisle seat, and others will say I got to have a window seat. Right, you know, because right. they want to look out the window or something like that. But again, and 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 it's all in essence, it's all about the stories that we tell ourselves. Right, life's not what about what happens to you; it's about the story you tell yourself about what happened. So, if if I, you know, if you remind me of my uncle Fred, and my uncle Fred wasn't my favorite relative growing up, as soon as I see you, you know, <laughs> even before we exchange any information, I'm going to have an inner resistance to like, eh, I'm not so sure about this guy. Yeah, and then now we can override that by by changing the way we think about the person and and realize that oh he's a pretty nice guy there's, there's nothing about him that's like uncle fred and uh you know but but we we build stories that's that's how we're designed as human beings we look for patterns in the environment and we build stories about them that's what made us so versatile and, and so resilient and uh and fear, fear flying is really about losing resilience yeah i'm, I'm sure that's true you know it's, Captain, I, I uh, so I, I went through this whole deal once I got the life insurance and I didn't care anymore. But now it's gotten to the point, yeah. and I just noticed this because we were just in uh, in Sedona, Arizona for a while, Tucson and Sedona oh, area. Yeah. Uh, and then before that, where were we before that, Catherine, where we flew? Tucson. Nashville? Nashville. Oh, oh Nashville. Before, that's right. Oh. So we're in Nashville, too. Both of those flights, and I, uh-huh. didn't, I did not do this on purpose, Captain. I don't know why. 
But I did notice uh, I did it on the way home from Nashville, and I did it again on the way home from Tucson, Sedona. I never put my seatbelt on, and I didn't do it on purpose. I just <laughs> forgot. They didn't tell you to put it on. No, they didn't. They notice. always tell you to put they it on. They always tell you to put well, it on. Well, they tell you to put it on, but it doesn't mean he did it. They usually check. But I just, I, I just, for some reason, I zoned it. I zoned it out, and I. I, at the end of the Tucson flight, we just got back on Saturday, I looked down to unbuckle my seatbelt, and it was just sitting. I never put it on. I don't know. I've done that before, and I kind of am like, if the plane's going down, the scrap yeah, isn't really going to help me. How much is this going to help me, really? I've only had two belts with fear flying. The first one was that claustrophobic one, and then yeah. I had a very, very severely violent flight from yeah. Paris to Gulf. Oh, it, yeah. It was so violent. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was violent and violent. Everybody's stuff was all over the plane. People were crying. Yikes. And I'm like, I'm never so flying you, again. So you were crying? <laughs> no, I wasn't. That's what happened a little yeah. bit. I'm like, I'm never flying again. But of course I did. I pushed through it and got on a flight again because I had to come home. Mm-hmm. Was it a white knuckle flight? <laughs> you're, not, you're not driving a car yeah, back from knuckles. Europe. That's an important thing to acknowledge, too, is, is if you ever do get off of a flight or you resolve not to fly when you get done, then it does provide you with symptomatic relief, right? You get all yeah. the benefits of all the dopamine and the chemistry that the body produces, and it reinforces that. So the next time you're tempted with the, the option of getting off, it's easier to take that. And so avoiding it is, is really not a good strategy if you ever want to fly again. And, uh, and what you did, uh, you know, you, you, you gutsed your way through it and, and, and had a better experience. And that's really what about overcoming fear of flying is if you've had a bad experience. It's about learning about it, learning that, that while flying can be, uh, turbulence can be incredibly annoying, it is never a threat to the survival or the, or the, right. the, the uh, integrity of the airplane. I was actually yeah. very surprised at the end of that flight. I was waiting for them to say sorry for the rough flight. They didn't say a word. <laughs> Zero. You can't help <laughs> they, But they, they usually say sorry about the yeah. rough. So they didn't say nothing because I think they were afraid about liability. They the didn't French. want to admit. That, uh, that, 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 I, seriously, yeah. I think they were worrying about being sued because people literally hit the roof. I mean, oh, that's how bad it was. God. The plane dropped out of the air like 20,000 feet. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. What? Yeah, stuff was literally floating in the air. Oh, God. <laughs> that's not fun. I might put on my seatbelt if that happened to me. <laughs> oh, I... Look, literally, I had my seatbelt on, and my back was jarred for like two weeks because I was so violent. I mean, it was severely violent. I got to like uh, just pass out. From... I got to read something here that's really. So cool. here's, here's some advice if you ever encounter that again. First of all, anybody who has any anxiety about flying, I recommend that they board early. And you can, and to do that, you can say that I have a medical condition, and then board early. And now, when you get down there, and the, the flight attendant who greets you, you want to uh, talk to them and say, "Hi, my name is Ron, and I'm a little nervous about flying. Could I meet the pilots?" And most of the time, you'll be able to meet one or one or both of the pilots. And when you get up there, you say, hi, my name is Ron, and I'm a little nervous about flying. Anything you can tell me about today's flight, I would appreciate. And so you want to just make that connection because that has a hugely calming effect. It goes right back to the first moments we were born when we were reassured when we cried by loved ones around us that everything was okay. And then if you ever have an experience where you do have a a, a bad experience that's extremely turbulent or something like that, when you leave the airplane – Catch one of the pilots. They're usually one of them is usually standing by the, the doorway yep. before you depart. 
say, hey, you know what? I'm a little nervous about flying. Were we in every any danger? And you want to hear them again say, nah, it was it was bumpy. Sorry for that. But but and you want that reassurance because if you don't get reassurance, you will now take that with you and it will grow in significance in your mind in the absence of anything like that. So, and, and to, to not to apologize for the pilots, but we just often disconnect from that because we have experienced it so many times. Now, yeah. in reality, if I hit a sudden drops, I may get triggered just like you do. My anxiety goes up, but it, it, it comes back down rather rapidly because I've been through sure, it before. Sure. Whereas yours there and it spikes and it gets stuck up there. Oh. So that's why you want to, you want to hear reassuring things. And that's why when I used to teach all my pilot buddies about fearful flyers, I would say when you make your announcements to, to tell them that uh, we want to have you all make sure your seatbelts are fastened, and we're going we're gonna to even suspend service because we've had some reports up here, and I want mm-hmm. my flight attendants to strap in. If you stop there, then everybody says, oh, my God, Elizabeth, this must be the big one coming up. You know, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Elizabeth, <laughs> yeah, we, we actually I had we, we, something of reassurance, like, hey, the reason we're doing this is because we want our flight attendants safely secured in the cabin like you are. And that's really the reason. When people get hurt on airplanes, it's because they weren't fastened in. And, yeah. and I'm glad the day that you know, forgot that you you didn't have anything like that because that's the only way people get hurt in airplanes right, from right. being bounced around. You can't be bounced around as long as you're securely strapped. Actually, in. I got severely hurt on an airplane, but it was because of a stewardess dropped a hot pot of coffee on me. No, I was actually reading. So I have two young kids. I have a three and a half year old who gets her own seat, and then I have a 17 month old son, and he doesn't get his own seat. And I was reading something about how you should bring your car seat onto the plane and each kid should get their own seat and you should buckle them into their car seats, especially during takeoff and landing. And if there's any rough air, cause it's like, it's not, yes, if the plane's going down, a car seat's not going to save them. But if you have like a violent flight like that, if you're holding a baby, you wouldn't be, they'll you wouldn't be, yeah, yeah they would just this was fly sudden, out of your hands. This was a and, sudden drop. Yeah. Like the plane dropped out of the air. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm like, is, I'm like, it, oh God. It is safe. Yeah, it's much safer to take your car seats so that, that are certified and and get a seat for your child for sure. Now I have to read this because this is very very cool. Growing up in rural Indiana since second grade, Captain Ron longed to become a pilot and rise above the surly bonds of earthly existence. <laughs> <laughs> An Air Force Academy graduate with a tour in Vietnam. Thank you for your service, sir. Captain Ron Nielsen accumulated over 20,000 hours during his career as a commercial pilot, flying a Boeing 737 with a flying career spanning over 45 years. And Captain Ron's only 46, so you know. Uh, He's a prodigy. He's a prodigy, exactly. And I've got the wrinkles to prove it. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. He has been a pilot, an Air Force pilot for 10 years, and a captain of a major airline for 30 years. Uh, Again, thank you for your service, sir. And I just... uh, I love the way you handle it. It's like, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. You know, you know, just put on your seatbelt. Everything will be good to go. Can I yep. ask a quick question? Um, so all those years you were flying, how many times did you have a violent experience where people were flying? Or, I mean, like Nick said. You know, like you know, like you described there. And again, it's a matter of perception. You know, it's not to say that it, that I sit up there and I'm completely disconnected from my own fear. You you know, you wouldn't want to fly with a pilot who has no fear; or he'll kill you. Right. <laughs> you know, so, 
So, uh, but we do become desensitized to it. And, and what I learned, and, and this is one of the things that I was able to feed back to, to my peers after, after working with Fearful Flyers since 1987, I would tell them, I said, you know, it's easy for us to forget that every flight, regardless of whether we have turbulence or not, we likely have someone who's never, ever flown before. And so we, we want to try to remember that and, and provide reassuring things when we say anything over the PA. And, uh, but, but, you know, that's, the, that's really a very common question, and it, it's, uh, it's worded in a variety of ways. But people say, hey, do you ever have any close calls or anything like that? And I usually say, only the ones that I created for myself and then managed my way out of them. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no. You know, uh, turbulence is we, we avoid severe turbulence. And, and so if we get into an area which is severe or not just severe, but any kind of turbulence, our number one uh, goal is to keep you coming back on on our airplane or our airline. Right. And my relatives tell you that if they, they you know, they'll ride, they'll have a bad ride. And they say, well, I'm never flying Delta again. You know, and I say, hey, cut them some slack, you know, it, because American was probably right behind you, and they have the same turbulence. Yeah, I, don't think this, we I don't think this always, was turbulence. I think this was a wind shear. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it could have been. And, and, and wind shear is a specialized kind of turbulence. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, when, what they, the media uses wind shear primarily to describe the effects and the, and the, the uh, resulting feelings that you get when you fly in the vicinity of a thunderstorm on your approach or to landing or your takeoff mm. but really all wind shear, all turbulence is wind shear it's when if you can imagine a handful of ping pong balls in your left hand and a handful of ping pong balls in your right hand and let's just say that those are molecules of air and you if you throw them together where they all collide with each other it's chaotic right they all bounce mm-hmm. off in different directions that's what's happening and if you want to see evidence of it just look at a whitewater rapids and the air is the same way. The problem is, is you just can't see that happening in flight. And so what we do is, you know, and even that doesn't cause this turbulence. What the problem is, is when I have the gall to go through an area of turbulence at 500 miles an hour. If I Ooh. could slow that sucker down to one mile an hour, you wouldn't even notice it. But but yeah. it's when I go through it so fast, which is the whole point in flying, right? right. We want to get where yeah. we're going in right. a hurry. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. And, and we're constantly talking to air traffic control, who is also constantly talking to other airplanes who have either transited the area we're in or maybe ahead of us going the same direction. And we're asking them when we get turbulence, hey, is, how are the, what are the ride reports out there? And they'll come back and say, well, we had old Southwest went through there about 15 minutes ago. They, they made a similar complaint. And then they may say, you know what, uh, they asked for 32,000 instead of 34,000, and they went down and they had smooth air. So then we say, would you know, he'll say, would you like to descend? And we'll say, sure. And so we're constantly looking for a better ride. It's not like we're up there, you know, <laughs> like a Gary Larson far side joke, you know, seeing how how rough we can make that thing to just make your day miserable. <laughs> there you um, go. You know, it, 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 but it is annoying to us, and it's not frightening, although, like I said before, we may be startled if it's if, if there's a sudden onset of it, but, but, but it, it's not... It's not a structural threat to the airplane. That's the main thing that I want people to walk away with. That's good to know. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, fearlessflight.com. Just the website is fearlessflight.com. The book is available at Amazon, How to Overcome Fear of Flying. The Plane Whisperer, Captain Ron Nielsen. Great before the holidays, sir. Thank you so much for your time today. You bet. You all have a great holiday. Thank you, sir.
What a good guy. You know, I, I don't know. Nancy Nancy's dad was a career pilot, and he flew her to school all the time. I know. You were and telling me that. she went through the worst storms possible, and she is scared to death to fly. Of commercial of, flights? Yes, because all the bad experience she had flying. Well, if you're statistically minded like me, my favorite airline like. statistic <laughs> is that in order to have a 50% chance of dying in a plane crash, you would have to fly 4 million times. There you go. So See? the odds don't get a whole lot better than that. No. 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 Well, no. and you're, what, how many more times likely to die in a car crash than an airplane? Oh, many, oh, many oh, hundreds, if yeah. not thousands. Yeah, thousands. Yeah. Yeah. You're so it's like, die walking. If, you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're afraid of getting on a plane, then every time you get in your car, you should be hundreds Terrified. times yeah, more scared. Most pilots aren't texting and flying, I don't yeah, think. This is well, a, they probably the, are, but they have <laughs> lots of equipment. The bad train crashes were from... Trains, from, not know, but the, it was the conductor texting. Oh my god! Oh my god! god. Of the last two big ones, probably well, the on one way, uh, between terminals. On our way back from um, Arizona, that they said oh, we're going to have this. Right. We're going to have the flight right. attendants sit down and buckle up, and we're going to be hitting some rough air. And oh, I never yeah. felt. I, I never. No, I never felt. Tell me. I didn't feel any rough air. No, I, didn't I was going to say there was like a bump. Yeah, there was either. no turbulence. Nothing. Yeah, I know. This, this one that one I was talking about was that I've flown a lot. You guys know that I fly all over the place. Yeah. This one was different. This was just well, you had that different. happen, Tom. This plane just went whoosh, down. I've had I've had yeah, one. I, know, I, I, I was like, yeah. thought we were going to die. I've had one or two like really big drops where I like it made me throw up because I was just oh. it was just like. Whoosh. And I had this girl next to me that was probably so doped up she didn't even stop talking. <laughs> she talked right through the whole thing like nothing happened. I'm like, didn't you just like everyone else is crying and she just keeps had, going. I've had three scary fight flights. One was so we were just swoosh. Shoosh, shoosh oh, in the wind, that, and then we're coming in for the landing, and the pilot ditches the landing. It just oh, goes yeah, that's straight right. up. Oh, People were screaming and crying. Uh, One person threw up, and I'm like, worst. when I'm nervous, I laugh. So I'm like, that's where Yeah, that's where Fawn got it from. Yeah. <laughs> I never was afraid of flying until I traveled and sat next to somebody that had a panic attack during bad oh, turbulence. Was that dad? <laughs> no, you ran a panic I was. It, it yeah, I was very, sitting next I to this woman. I was flying into Utah. I was flying into Utah, and the turbulence was really bad. It was like had big drops, and yeah, we were being thrown all over the place, and it was rough. And she was just, yeah, grabbing onto her things, just freaking out. And then ever since then, I had like, I was like, uh, I don't I feel good about that's that. because anxiety is I catching. Yes. Breathe, breathe in through your nose and yeah. out through your mouth, yeah. and relax, and just. And feel yeah, sorry for that poor person that's losing their mind. Yeah. The only yeah, time I ever get weird on planes now is when they become super silent. I'm like, so every once in a while, I'm like. <gasps> I, love, I love when they're silent. could you cut off the last three minutes and put it on tomorrow? Sure. <laughs> are we over? Yeah. We are over. We're a little We're over. Happy. Yeah. We're happy. We're a little over. We're having over. a great time. Everything is good, though. Good we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.